Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show in association with Talk Sport. Coming up on today's show, the promoters behind Pro Wrestling Eve join us in the studio to talk all about the women's scene in the UK. We'll also talk about the latest WWE TV products, a little bit of the big indie shows in the UK coming this week, and a massive announcement for all in. This is the Pro Wrestling Show. Hello, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show. Will Gavin. Hello, I'm John Jackson. I like that we're recording this on International Kissing Day, but we're not together in the same physical room, so unfortunately, you know, we can't... Not that we would, but we can't kiss. You made that awkward by saying not that we would. Why wouldn't we? Why do you object to my soft, soft touch? Because you're um, constantly rejecting me. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Why am I saying this? Why am I talking about this? Hang on. I don't know. You were the one that made it happen. Yeah. I thought it would be an interesting point to make, but I've just realised it's totally not. All right, but let's move on and talk about some graps then. (laughs) Uh, Have you had a good week, mate? I've been very, very busy. However, I still made it to the graps in Milton Keynes, as you know, for um, the uh, New Japan and RevPro co-promoted event, which was um, fun and different. Um, I don't think it was the best day of the two, from what I've heard. I've heard that the one in Manchester was um, seemed to have a lot better matches, especially Jack Saber Junior versus uh, Jack. Who's Jack? Zack Saber Junior versus Okada. Uh, which um, I won't. I mean, I'll, shall I spoil it? Yeah, I mean, it's already on Zach, there on the band service. So, ah, Zack Saber Junior won, which a lot of people were surprised about. I think we only got an Okada tag team match, which is a bit of a shame, really. And I think that. Before it, it was quite obvious that lots of people in that room were, were there to really see him. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're there for the event, but, you know, he, he was the main event. And he kind of did a tag match, and he, he didn't really do much. And a, th- a lot of people were very frustrated with that, and they were sort of unsure. There was like, is he injured? Is he sort of just taking it easy? What's the deal? And then, obviously, he put on a really good match with, uh, with Zach the next night. And um, I think a lot of people felt a little bit shortchanged in Milton Keynes, but it was nice to go to a different promotion. Um, obviously, when we saw New Japan advertised, we were like, yes. So we got tickets straight away. Um, it was a little bit disappointing because most of the big stars of New Japan that, you know, that we love, uh, the Young Bucks, Cody, Marty, all those kind of people, they were doing a different event in America. So I kind of felt like we got the B team, and I don't mean the comical tag team from Monday Night Raw. Did you, um, um, ha- just how did you feel about Milton Keynes itself, John? 
Milton Keynes is such a weird place. Like, I don't want to be negative, and it's not—it's not terrible. Like, I didn't. It's just weird. Um, it's like a massive car park. It, um, it, it's like an industrial, like not like in an old style industrial estate, but like you know the modern style ones where you've just got a lot of. It's just outside of town. You've got a lot of office buildings. There's probably a park and ride bus service, and it's like that. But it's a whole town of it, not just you know yeah. a small area near the Madstad. Like like we looked on, we obviously we, we parked by the station, and the station is like the centre of Milton Keynes, because I don't know why. And it was, uh, we kind of looked on a map, and it said food, and we were like, yeah, we need food, we've got two hours to kill. So we just looked, and like where it said food was just didn't look plausible, because it looked like it was an industrial estate. And we carried on walking, and kind of got there, and there was no food where it said there would be food. And then you literally turn, turn a corner and then there's like a weird square in the middle of loads of office buildings with all the sort of chain restaurants. And it just made literally no sense. Well, it's, we because, decided- it's because, John, it is a massive office complex. That, that's all Milton Keynes really is. I do yeah. not understand, like, the, the fact that people actually live there. It doesn't, that doesn't compute with me. And so well, that square, where, yeah. on the average Thursday lunchtime will be heaving with people in suits going and buying their subway or whatever. Uh, so that's why it's like that. It's, I, I just, I'm not a fan at all. No, um, and, you know, if you live in Milton Keynes, I'm sure there are nice bits. I actually tweeted a sort of jokey picture of, like, a really derelict-looking bin, um, and, like, where, like well, welcome to Milton Keynes, and some guy got a bit shirty with me on Twitter and replied with some pictures of some fields. But, like, that's not Milton Keynes, so, you know... Anyway, don't mind. Basically, we were just sort of confused because on a day where there was no cars around, it looks like a real big empty airport car park. But I suppose when it's the weekdays, nine to five, it's probably rammed and you know it's thriving. If that's the right word, it's probably not. Anyway, uh, I, I had a subway, so you know. Oh, I, I didn't actually know there. that. I just I just guessed the right sandwich. Look at me. Yeah. Uh, so. I actually haven't been to any independent shows this week, although I am off to first ever Riptide show. This is it's a funny one because normally, obviously, we do the show on a Wednesday. But I because I did the interview with uh, Dan and Emily Reed from Pro Wrestling Eve. If you're not familiar with Pro Wrestling Eve, they are the UK's premier all-female wrestling company and it's an interesting chat and they obviously I mean they have very strong views and very strong opinions and and I think mostly pretty justified and we have a bit of back and forth on some of it but when you look at the percentage of bookings that go to female wrestlers in major promotions you can understand why there is a bit of a gripe and why the idea of WWE coming in and hoovering up talent when there's already not a lot of opportunities for them to be booked elsewhere. Like, and, and they, you know, it's a really interesting conversation. So we've got that coming up. But, um, yeah, so that went out on the radio version of the show, uh, on, uh, on my extra time show. And so this is literally just pod version. Uh, John was too busy going off, I don't know, flirting with people over ribs or something. Uh, but flirting, tonight, hang on, sorry, <laughs> flirting with someone over ribs. Yeah, you and Ryan, at, your relationship I was, I is a was disgrace. At a rib eating competition where we met some very interesting characters. Like, imagine the kind of people that would apply for a rib eating competition and then like double it. That's the kind of people we were dealing with. They were all very nice, but they were very big characters. Did they and have the to that... pass like a preliminary stage in order to? Yeah, like there's a tournament type thing. They've got three different restaurants. This place and. Um, 
and the guy that won, and like in a, I'm going to tell you now, and I think that you could have beat this guy. The guy that won in half an hour ate ten ribs. Like they're quite, you know, they're not they're sort they're of sizable ribs. They are sizable ribs, but there was a there was a fellow there called um, Nick who had a big. He basically looked like a sort of ginger wizard, and um, he was wearing a, a New Orleans Saints cap as well. So a ginger wizard who likes football, and. Um, his tactic, he had the right tactic. Everyone else was, like, chewing it off the bone. He was, like, military precision with a knife. Just chop everything off, clean the bone off, and then just shove the meat in your mouth. Because the whole point was you have to get the bone to be um, to be totally clean for it to count. Clean bone. And um, he came second. And this, this big guy, uh, Paul, came first. And he literally, he ate ten ribs and, like, he won. And in the interview we did with him afterwards, he said... Like, we were like, oh, what are you going to do now? You you know, you're going to go and sort of collapse somewhere and fall into a rib coma. And he said, no, my mates are turning up and we're going to have some hot chicken wings, which not only will solve my hunger, hunger, after eating ten ribs, but also it will help them leave me. Oh, God. And, uh, and this he, is and what I meant by like, flirting, John. This is what I meant by flirting. Yeah, and we're using this for a commercial, uh, like a corporate video. <laughs> and the bloke's like looking at me going, can't use that. Yeah. Definitely can't use that. Anyway, um, this is not wrestling. Um, no, talk it's about not. wrestling. So Tonight, I'm off to... you're going to Riptide, which I'm so jealous of because I've been looking at the lineup for this for a while, and it's it's sexy. Well, it is sexy. We've got uh, uh, the. Oh, I'm just going to go through the card because it's really really good. Naiko Tanizaki up against Chris Brooks in Tanizaki's. That's one of the first times he's wrestled over here in general. Certainly the first time he's wrestled in Riptide. You've got Chuck yeah. Mambo against Eddie Dennis. Best friends going head-to-head in the ring. Uh, and it is for Chuck Mambo's place at the Brighton Championship Tournament. Uh, there's also a Brighton Championship Tournament qualifier between uh, Money versus Everybody and Tony Storm and B Priestley teaming up with that one. The Aussie Open Challenge returns. We've got Charlie Morgan, the EVE Pro Wrestling Women's Champion, up against Flash Morgan Webster in a Brighton Championship Tournament qualifier. Vol- going up against yes. Mike Bailey which could be you know that's got match of the year potential to it and it's about he should just move to the UK fourth on the card absolutely uh, Jordan Devlin against Jack Sexsmith which is another Brighton Championship Tournament qualifier and a big multi-person match for the Brighton Championship Tournament with Cara Noir Millie McKenzie Adam Brooks Ginny Kid Lycos and Vader Scott uh, it looks pretty 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 good that is tasty, and I think the Brighton Championship tournament is the one they're doing over Pride weekend, isn't it? It's the first week or weekend of August. I, think I mean, I'm right that thinking uh, very possibly. I am googling furiously while you say <laughs> that. Uh, but all I'm going to say is, I would hate for Jack Sexsmith not to be on the card for Pride weekend because he would be in his element. We should, um, we should definitely, because you can't come tonight. And if anyone's listening to this before, say, like, five o'clock this afternoon and wants to come to Riptide with me and lives in Brighton or south of London, come along, because uh, I'm all on my lonesome. Yeah, come and hang out with Will. Second Uh, to the 4th of August. That that is when it is. Yeah, there you go. First weekend in August. If you're, by the way, if you're listening to this now and and you went to Riptide because it's after Friday um, at Pro Wrestle Show, it'd be good to know what you thought about it. Because, um, you know, obviously, if we do go to the international uh, tournament, Sorry, championship tournament, whatever it's called. Um, it, you know, it'd be good to know how things went down so that we got a bit of story behind it, which would be nice. They have £55 tickets for the whole weekend and £20 tickets for general admission still available for each of the nights for that championship tournament. And with the quality of these qualifiers and some of the people I already know are through, like Spike Gervais and, and Jimmy and people like that, I, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be an excellent lineup. Right, let's... Uh, a couple of other bits of news. Uh, all, yes. all in... 
uh, continued to yeah, slap we- me and John in the face for not... <laughs> not, not booking tickets. Yeah, for deciding that, like, even though the flights were only about 300 and something quid, we didn't, didn't get them. If and anyone it- is, um, anyone is an air host, hostess, <laughs> pilot, you know, sneakers on, we'll, um, well, you know, you can come on the podcast. Why not? I don't know. Just, you know, you never know. Yeah, Might I'm not sure that's going to happen, but they've okay. announced Marty Skrull against... They've announced the villain against the Rainmaker, basically. <laughs> Skrull Akada yeah. is going to be an all-in. <sighs> I'm just annoyed now. With a lineup yeah. that already includes, obviously, Nick Aldis, Cody, Rey Mysterio, The Young Bucks, Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Stephen Amell, Tessa Blanchard, Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., Chelsea Green, Joey Janela. It's a pretty, pretty... Matt Cross. It's a pretty, Madison pretty Rain. good lineup. Yeah. 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 I'm annoyed. Like, the trouble is, I, I just fear they're going to announce something else and it's going to just get me more tempted. And then at the last minute, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be dropping a grand just to go to Chicago for a day. But um, I don't know. It's, they haven't announced a streaming deal yet, have they? And I think they've been talking about how they, they're planning on doing so. But it's kind of getting quite close now. You'd think they'd have something in place. Maybe they have and they just haven't announced it. But um, it would be nice to think that we could watch that live if we can't make it. And, you know, with a show that size and that ambitious, you would hope that, that we can watch it everywhere and they'll probably make a load of money out of it. I have my fingers firmly crossed. <laughs> Good. Um, do you want to talk about... WWE's offering this week or do you want to talk about Finn Balor's ass? Uh, I don't want to talk about Finn Balor's ass any more than it's already been discussed in various uh, various WhatsApp groups already. I, Finn Balor's I just, ass has popped up in at least three WhatsApp groups that I'm in and y- I'm uh, yeah. I'm okay with not seeing it anymore. I was just going to say I was I was looking at it because I quite like the, the Baron Corbin and Finn Balor sort of banter on Twitter top banter uh, and um, I was just looking at his ass crack and I've decided that every week now that he tweets a picture I'm just going to liken it to a different colour on the Dulux paint chart so this week it's purple amethyst wonderful thank you I appreciate yeah. that um, we should talk about the Ring of Honor uh, we talked about the fact that last week that the title didn't change hands from Dalton Castle on the pay-per-view and we were slightly surprised by that yeah uh, you've got a theory haven't you well yeah so did we, have we talked about the pay-per-view itself was that after our show no. last week it was after the show and it was after the show Oh, I feel it's, it's been. <laughs> there's been yeah, so much, no. so much wrestling, so much time between when we last spoke, John. I completely forgot to talk about it. It was great, genuinely fantastic. The Ring of Honor, um, best in the world, was uh, one of the best pay per views I've watched in a while, and and it really it built steam over time. It had some fantastic matches. Jay Lethal against Kushida was fantastic. Uh, really, really good street fight between Punishment Martinez and Adam Page. The Briscoes and the Young Bucks might have put on their best match yet, and, and the Briscoes continue to look fantastic. The only problem was it built this huge, huge head of steam. And then we got a world title match, which was much shorter than we were expecting, and where Dalton Castle came out on top. And I was stunned to be honest because we know that there's this whole Nick Aldis and Cody storyline to all in that he's meant to have the title and they're going title for title head to head the the problem is that and I think this is my initial theory on it was that okay so Cody is facing Kenny Omega this weekend. You'll be able to stream that one as well, I think. It's on Access TV in the States, so I don't know how you stream it. But it, they've, they're they fighting uh, f- 
New Japan champion against what was meant to be, in theory, the Ring of Honor champion. That's what we believed it was going to be. They're fighting yeah. for the IWGP championship. And um, basically, I think that they didn't want to put... Ring of Honor didn't want to put the title on Cody to have, yet again, their champion lose to a New Japan champion. It keeps happening that that's how the shows line up. And New Japan aren't going to see a belt drop to a champion lose to a champion from another from another organisation. So I thought, oh, fine. So they'll just find a way to... Cody won't win the title this week. He'll go through to the, the, the match with Omega. They'll have their match, which Omega, I'm sure, will win. And then Cody can pick up the belt before we get to All In. There's still two months to go. And then on TV the other night, they handed it to Jay Lethal. And everyone's like, what? Uh, now, giving it to Jay Lethal, I don't understand why you don't look at Marty Skrull for it, but Jay Lethal's someone, because he's held the title before, it almost maybe feels like you are going... You're saying he's someone who we can put it on just for a month or so and then have Cody pick it up, maybe. I think we've, we've speculated about Dalton Castle's injuries continuing to be a problem. I genuinely think that this was a case of, oh, he can't continue to work. We've got to get... So get the title off him. Get it on someone who's... A, basically, Jay Lethal is interim Ring of Honor champion, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet because um, I've been, uh, as well as the eating ribs, I was also shooting hoops. Um, which I actually didn't ever get one in. Um, that's, that's a private joke. So I didn't watch it, but I read all the results online, and people seemed like they were saying about Dalton Castle's injuries, and that actually like it's becoming a problem now. Like he he was sort of at the start, he was kind of just getting by, and it was all right. He was maybe not doing some big moves, but now he just looks pained, and he just looks kind of out of sorts as such. So I guess they just had to make that decision, didn't they, and just get it off him as as quick as possible. Yeah, and it's kind of like what WWE should do with Brock because, like, that title's forgotten. And uh, did you see Bischoff yeah. talking about that title this week? And I, that's exactly he, what I was referring to. Yeah, he just doesn't get it. No, I, I don't get it get either. It. It's kind of like made that title, which was really exciting, and I was really excited about when Finn Balor won it. Obviously, when it was the first champion, and now I'm just like, oh, uh, okay. I forgot that happened. And here's the thing. When they announced it, when you saw the belt for the first time, you're like, the Universal Championship, NAF name, red belt, NAF belt. And then Finn Balor won it in that tournament. You're like, oh, some immediate credibility. And then... They put it on someone that we we didn't think they would, but we hoped they would kind of thing. Uh, And just, it has been completely degraded. I mean, they have a ludicrous number number of titles at this point. Across SmackDown, Raw, NXT, 205 Live, the UK Championship, the women's division. like There's so many titles out there that yeah. something... You know, they can't put every title on every pay-per-view. So don't put every title on every pay-per-view. But something like the Universal Championship should be... Somebody, I think we talked about this before, but somebody made the Okada comparison that he only fought kind of 13 defences in the space of a couple of years. Yes, but he was ever-present. He was there at almost every single show. They just made the title matches something special. You can still do that with the Universal Championship. I don't mind if the Universal Championship is literally only defended on the big four and maybe a couple of other times a year like a Hell in a Cell and then one other or something like that. I'm fine with that as long as... There's a justifiable story basis for it. Brock's not here because we can't afford to pay him for more than 40 appearances a year is not a justifiable storyline. It's like when a football team has like an appearance bonus-based thing with a player and suddenly they're in great form, but they just keep like leaving them on the bench so they don't play. 
It's it's mental. Um, I just yeah, I just think it, it makes the title a joke, doesn't it? Really. Um, I want to apologise for the fact that you've watched Raw and Smackdown this week because well, I don't really say, I, massively well, want to talk about them. <laughs> I say I've watched it. I skimmed through it on YouTube about ten minutes before we called each other on Skype. Um, I, I just, yeah. Um, I, do you want to know my notes? I wrote notes on. on both. Uh, notes on both won't take long. Um, I wrote down. Uh, I think I take Baron Corbin a lot more seriously now he's cut that weird hair off. I'm with that you is, on that. I also think he seems to talk better now he's got no hair. I think maybe it's because he has a more defined character as opposed to being the lone wolf. Precisely. Which I think was just like, hey, I'm a professional loner. Um, already mentioned Finn Balor's ass crack. Uh, a lot of people online have been talking about how they're protecting Drew McIntyre by putting in with Dolph Ziggler, which I think makes sense. I think they obviously must think very highly of him, and we know that Vince likes big guys, and you know he's obviously gone away and done the independence again, and sort of proven that, you know, improved a lot, and sort of you know rounded his character a lot more. And I think that if they are looking for him for the future, then it, I guess it makes sense to have, um, you know, like you've seen uh, in this this week, the uh, the old revival came in and got involved. Also, hang on, sorry, I'm just blabbering. Would you like to see the revival team up with uh, with McIntyre and Ziggler as like some kind of faction? Uh, factions are actually something which is really missing from WWE massively I was thinking this the other day if you look at what New Japan do they've got LIJ they've got obviously Bullet Club is absolutely huge and those two are massively over but even beyond that they've got lots of other smaller factions as well that, and I think a more structured faction system something like that I think you could see something the problem is is when WWE have done a faction well you've managed to have something like The Shield and it's been fantastic when they've yeah. done it or um, you know you look at something like uh, I was going to say Legacy that wasn't that brilliantly done but like the um, you know the the, the Ric Flair um, you know what I'm trying to say Randy Orton all of those guys are that- you talking about Revolution is it Revolution? My mind's gone blank. Yeah, I've 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 lost the plot. So I'm just going to move on. When they do it well, it works. <laughs> but then they also have things like the League of Nations. Or Nexus worked yeah, really well. Yeah, that was... Like, I, thought, I like Nexus, yeah. So the League of Nations was They need to find a justification awful. for it. And if they can do it well, they could make it work. So I don't think it's a bad shout. I think from that show... Evolution! Board, evolution. Well done, sir. Sorry. I the agree. only thing I wanted to mention from that show was that I did think that... Um, uh, I did think that that tag match was worth going back and checking out the Rollins and Reigns against Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Mm. It wasn't the best match that they've put on as a group, but McIntyre and Ziggler worked the tag beautifully, considering they've only recently become a team. Um, what I will say, a thirty-man iron, a thirty-minute Iron Man match has been announced yes. for Extreme Rules. That's only two minutes longer than they went for on Raw last week between Ziggler and Rollins. Give them a 60-minute Ironman match, and they could put on... Honestly, I believe in those two performers so much. If you gave them the freedom, I think they could put on something at that Bret Hart, uh, Shawn Michaels 60-minute Iron match level. I genuinely think you could have something that good. You could have a Stone Cold Classic on your hands. I think 30 minutes rushes it a bit when you talk about the finish and I think it will end up botching things a bit and you'll end up having it'll go to extra time it'll be a draw after 30 minutes but no not a fan not a fan at all alright that's fair enough I, I would like a fact I think it would make the revival have a bit of uh, an identity rather than just being the whipping boys a little bit if they put them together um, 
other things that I quite liked, I, I still like the B team. I think that's quite funny. Um, oh, and that's it. Um, SmackDown, Team Hell No. Now, I'm going to be honest, I missed all this the first time around because that was kind of when I was at uni and wrestling wasn't a thing because I was just playing Call of Duty with all my spare time. Um, is this good, Will? Is I'm Team Hell No it. a good thing? I'm okay. enjoying it. Like, it, uh, they need to... In case Daniel Bryan decides that he's going to move on at the end of his contract, I think that idea of Daniel Bryan and the Miz going all the way until uh, WrestleMania will go out the window. I think that will be a SummerSlam match. So I think we'll get a big build to that over the next four four or five weeks. It's a shame to give it away so quickly after you've had such a great build to it. But between the two of them, they could make some absolute must-watch TV over the next eight weeks, six weeks, whatever it works out to be now. Basically, everything else there was meh. Jeff Hardy and The Miz was, was fine, but... Uh, I've written you know. out here, Jeff Hardy, just, I just... You know how I th- always say how stiff he looks? It's the moment when he pulls himself up onto the turnbuckle to do a swanton bomb. He does it with such a sort of sense of resignment, and it's like, oh, here goes this again. And it's like an old man getting up out of his favourite chair that he sat in for years. Uh, knowing it's going to be a bit painful to go and like make a cup of tea. That's you how say I old feel man, I you mean me? No, I just generally uh, just an old, older gentleman. I was interested to see that they did some intergender wrestling, which is a shock for WWE. Yep, Asker and James Ellsworth. Ellsworth doesn't count as intergender wrestling, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it was I'm just Kiss Chase, on. wasn't it? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay, um, fine. In fact, I'm done with SmackDown in general. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna completely gloss over NXT and just say it was fine. It was not NXT's best. We've talked a lot about Gargano and the way they're going with that direction. Um, I think that what was great about Gargano's match with EC3 was him using the DDT through the ropes that ended the match between him and Champa to knock off EC3, EC3's first television loss on NXT. Using that showed those flashes of... I mean, the Champa uh, championship match against Alistair Black in three weeks. If you don't think Johnny Gargano is getting involved in that, uh, yeah. I think... Uh, you don't know uh, how wrestling works. Yeah. Uh, Chris Dijak, I just wanted to say, he went up against Velveteen Dream, continues to do some really good work. What I did want to talk yeah. about was 205 Live. Yeah, you loved this this week. I saw you tweeting your head off. We haven't given a lot of love to 205 Live because I don't actually get to see it every week but they tend to put on the quality of the wrestling is great in 205 live and this week more than any other the main event between buddy murphy and mustafa ali in a no dq match was absolutely superb uh there there were two guys they were one and one in their feud and they showed some really good pen uh, chemistry kind of in the past but some pen or what some pen penistry uh some chemistry (laughs) Penistry. <laughs> it was incredibly violent. Played to the stipulation amazingly. They, the character work was excellent. Like uh, Buddy Murphy is the like proper thirsty heel, willing to you know put Mustafa Ali in the not hospital medical facility as the WWE call it. Ali doing yeah. his proper babyface brand. He's flashy. He's, it was honestly that match is absolutely must see. I mean okay. that it is must see. I um I saw the highlights of this on YouTube that they put up, and it's really weird with SmackDown and Raw. They always put like the finish, whereas on NXT it's just like the middle of it, and it, it def- that definitely made me want to watch it more. So I think I'll check that one out. Honestly, I, um, go I'm, go and watch it now I'm, when we're done. Not NXT, sorry, two hundred five live. Um, 
I'm I'm quite similar with that. It's sort of one of those ones where I watch it if I can, and, and sometimes I gloss over it. And I think that Triple H has done really well to move that off Raw and stop it being like a filler thing and make the brand a little bit more serious uh, on its own show. Um, do we want to talk before we hear from the guys from Pro Wrestling Eve about World of Sport? Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, we talk a bit about that in the interview with uh, oh, in cool. the chat with them, but. The World of Sport released their trailer this week for um, for the first uh, for the first round of matches, and uh, man, it looks really good. I've I kind of that- always hope that they don't they haven't oversold themselves because what we didn't know was I think we we tried to contact them to go down to the tapings and do some interviews and stuff, and we uh, didn't get turned away as such, but we basically just got a bit pied off, and we were like. Mm, seems funny that they don't want any coverage of this i think it's because they were trying to hide the fact that they've managed to get joe hendry will osprey kaylee ray davy boy jr and Stu bennett hosting the whole thing aka yeah. wade barrett I, I, honestly they made it look absolutely epic i just hope that the product lives up to lives yeah. up to the quality of this trailer because Actually, for all the talk we've had about WWE and the NXT UK brand, and for as good as that's going to be, we're talking about something that's going to be on prime time on a Saturday night. As far as I'm aware, that's still the plan. That reaches a whole different audience. I I do wonder how... What are those shows called? Like, not It's a Knockout. That's too old. But, like, those kind of, you know, those kind of shows and how that's presented and there's sort of a jovial clapping audience and it's all very light-hearted. I do hope it's not like that. I don't think it will be, but I think when you think of prime time and ITV, you think, oh, it could be like that. Um, there is a fella from Geordie Shaw in it as well. I don't know if you've seen Who's that. Who's the Adam fella from Geordie Shaw? I think it's Geordie Shaw. Adam Maxted. Like he's he's legitimately trained as a wrestler now, and he's absolutely hench as f. So like, I'm sure he's decent. But like, it's interesting. Like he he came from sort of doing that reality TV, and now he's being on this. Now, I'm sure there's a reason. Like they've put someone like him on this because I imagine his hundreds of thousands of young followers who'll watch anything he's in probably want to tune into this. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if he can actually hold his own against, you know, like people like Will Ospreay. Um, I've seen SoCal Val is co-commentating with, uh, with old yeah, Steve I, Bennett. I don't know a lot about SoCal Val. Um, yeah, I see I, her on Twitter. I was slightly surprised about that, but I think, yeah. I, one, thing, one thing that did really catch my eye, and I will say, for everything, for all the, the kind of love and joy that I'm saying that this could be bringing, it did make me laugh that they've gone... World of Sport Exclusive, Adam Maxis. World of Sport Exclusive, British Bulldog Junior. World of Sport Exclusive, Kaylee Ray. World of Sport Exclusive. World of Sport Exclusive. And then on the Will Ospreay announcement, it just says, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. <laughs> oh, no, I've looked at a tweet here. World of, World of Sport Exclusive, the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay. Oh, so they have got... Because uh, I, I saw yeah, something... they went, they they went back. No, I know what you mean. on the pictures before, and they didn't have it on the Will Ospreay one. And I was like... Mm. Why is that? I mean, none of those are exclusive, really, are they? I think when but, they mean know. exclusive, they mean not on NXT UK. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess they can't be. Well, look, you know what? It will, I don't know when it starts. When does it start? Do we know? So uh, no, we, we don't. I don't think we've got that confirmed, have we? All, no, all they've done, it, they're, all they're doing at the moment is the sort of ads on ITV that say, like, coming soon. This will be coming soon. And then suddenly they'll be like, Saturday. And it's kind of really short notice. Um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. I'm sure it'll be all right. 
and we'll, well, I'm sure we'll heavily review it when it happens. Oh, massively. Yeah. Massively. Um, I, before we go into the interview, I want to mention, uh, by the way, Urban Species, who uh, do some amazing T-shirts. Um, I really like their Hulk Hogan one um, that they did. Uh, they, kind of, they kind of pushed it on, on Independence Day this week. I know when we met them last time, um, and by the way, that you can see us in some of their t-shirts. You might have seen uh, Will's got a, is it Matching Man? Yeah, you got a Matching Man one, which you wore at NXT at Download, which is really cool. Um, they were talking about um, how they're sort of doing some new ones, and there's a, a new Becky Lynch one, which I really like. There's also a new Usos one, which is pretty cool. So um, check them out, and if you want to get a t-shirt, Mark's 10 gets you 10% off, which is nice. And, uh, you know, tweet us a picture at Pro Wrestle Show. Beautiful stuff. Right, let's hear from the creators, promoters, and people behind the leading women's wrestling promotion in the UK, Pro Wrestling Eve. Here's Dan and Emily Reid joining us in the studio here on the Pro Wrestling Show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Absolutely delighted to welcome into the studio now on the Pro Wrestling Show then. And uh, it's a different kind of conversation, some of the ones we've had previously, but really, really pleased that we were able to and, and kind of give you a bit of a background as to how this came about maybe as the interview goes on. But uh, uh, really delighted to say that the the man and woman, the team behind uh, EVE Pro Wrestling, uh, Emily and Dan Reed, have joined us in the studio. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Oh, thanks for having us. Appreciate you inviting us down. Uh, look, just to start off with, for people who aren't familiar with your products, what you guys do, just give us the, you know, the, the blurb that you would give to somebody, the elevator pitch for what you guys do. We're a feminist, punk, DIY, women's wrestling company. So if you know about the Right Girls, Right Girl movement, we're basically the Right Girls of Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, that was pretty pretty I asked for an elevator pitch and you, and you sold it pretty <laughs> perfectly. Uh, it's the ECW, I would say. That might be something for anyone that's, you know, more yeah. long-term wrestling. Perhaps the ECW yeah. of women's professional wrestling is their, um, the wrestling pitch, I guess. The wrestling pitch, you know, yeah. For, Mick Foley, you know. after seeing some footage of Eve, and then he actually looked up and watched a little documentary that was done of us, uh, Pile Driver Fascist at yeah. school. And he actually put out a tweet saying how we reminded him of ECW. He then did a whole Facebook post all about us as well, bless him. It was, so, it was really was lovely. really sweet. So one, he's one of the good guys, Mick, and that's, <laughs> that's amazing and obviously gives you guys such a such great push. But talk to me a little bit about how this first came about and, and what the kind of decision was behind starting and... Uh, 
What has become an all-female pro wrestling company? When we started, it was actually eight years ago, and we were looking around and seeing this women's talent, but it was so obvious that they had the potential to, to reach the same high levels as the men. We could see other brilliant women's wrestling, especially in Japan, knowing that it's absolutely not a gender problem. The obvious problem to myself and Dan, just as a especially as a wrestling promoter, your talent can't improve if they don't have the platform and opportunities to improve. And women were being given the same five-minute spot on the show, normally in the rest match, shall we say, where people could just nip to the loo and nip to the bar. And they were put against probably the same local talent that was cheap to get in. They didn't have the chance to learn and progress and grow as performers. And we wanted to repl- uh, just make this little safe oasis and this area that provided that platform for them. And Yeah, that's basically, yeah. I mean, it's um, I'd been promoting already since 2002 and... You know, it was a case of there weren't many women around at the time, but uh, and we started promoting women's shows with an American company actually in 2006 mm-hmm. um, because there was uh, you were starting to see a number of women, you know, just you know work as hard as they could, but they just weren't given the opportunities to, you know, perform and improve. And they were also having to work, you know, 10 times as hard to be thought of as half as good. It, it certainly wasn't an even platform. Um, certain, there certainly wasn't the number of talents that there are available, you know, on, on the scene, you know, today. Um, so it really was just a case of, right, you know, in order to, you know, get the performers to be able to learn how to perform like a main event, like a co-main event, uh, like a, like an opener, like a match going into the interval, all different matches on different parts of the show have different structures and have different purposes. And, you know, matches with long-term storylines will have a different structure to matches that are just sent out there as part of the evening show. So by, you know, starting to run women's wrestling promotions, promotion events, that meant that we were able to, you know, help the talent learn different match structures, different psychologies. And we also began bringing in uh, talents from outside of the UK who, you know, were already further progressing than what the talents in the UK were because the scene was massively behind. Uh, The scene was massively behind in terms of women's wrestling, but actually the UK indie scene at that same period, I think a lot of people would say it was not to the level it is now where it's almost a flooded market of the number of promotions that we've got and yes you could we will we'll talk about the WWE and their role coming up both in women's wrestling and in and in the kind of independent scene as it is but you know even if you speak to guys who are running the top promotions and women who are running the top promotions they will tell you that 6 7 years ago if they were getting 300 people in they were pleased now they can sell out 700 800 go to bigger venues so what were the challenges just in promoting at the time anyway, but then having to go out there and and sell this image of we're going to do this, but we're going to make it about the women. For me, Dan's job, and when I started working more as a promoter, I started as a showrunner. It's the best way to learn the business, and I think it's extremely important to start that way. But when we did a show, all women's show, but we ran it like a wrestling show, so I didn't see... The biggest thing we had to prove to start with, we did Kids Come Free on the posters because we wanted to make sure everybody knew that it was not a sexual product. 
So Dan can go into more details of the history. Yeah, that's the biggest misconception. Like when we were trying to get the, you know, any kind of publicity, everybody was just instantly putting the phone down on Emily when she never, whenever she was calling. Um, and just uh, we had venues cancel on us because it was a women's wrestling show, and they just immediately assumed that that meant. Um, I had on multiple occasions, like old. Uh, women open their doors and come chase me with the flyer that I just put through their door saying like I don't want any of that smut through my door they they chase me up the street and I was standing there thinking well just just pop it in the bin but they thought it was such filth that they did not want it in their house and obviously just the standard being turned away from shops that put up posters for a different wrestling event but they were like oh no it'll upset our customers if they see that yeah it was um the, the wrestling business, like I say, I've been promoting for 16 years and I've been in a business for 18 years and I've seen it go through, you know, the peaks and the troughs. I was probably one of the last people to come in and, um, you know, the, the, the dying phase of an old school era. Um, and, you know, I remember I was one of the people that was uh, involved in the Universal Uproar show at the Commentary Skydome, which was, you know, had two and a half thousand people there. And the show was fantastic. And we had talents from all over the world, you know, competing on that. But there was very few British talents because you're right, the, the scene in the UK was still developing. Um, but the same could be said for the scene in the US at the time. You didn't have the, you know, the the quality of the independent wrestling scene over there like you did here. And there was also um, at the time uh, a, a resistance to the um, old school ways of British wrestling. And by old school ways, I mean really mean the old school professional wrestling um, style, the world of sports style. It was the, the UK scene was very much trying to mimic what Ring of Honor was at the time. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor at the time was trying to mimic what Japan was at the time, and Japan wasn't at its best period during that pe- uh, during that period of time neither. Um, so you had lots of promotions, uh, lots of countries trying to mimic what other people were doing when neither were doing their best. And really, the UK scene kind of like found its foot in when it started rediscovering world of sport and when it started when you had more performers starting to go and 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 learn from you know johnny saint and you know uh robbie brookside you know is um that's when i and i don't think it's a coincidence then that you look at who the majority of the the people that the performance center in wwe are those those same talents um that people started going into learn with i mean if you uh, Marty Scale is a prime example right now of someone that is doing things that's getting over that 15 years ago we were all like you can't do that that's stuff that you do on the campsites that's the camp shows that's the stuff that you do you know for kids like the finger breaking spot 15 20 years ago well not maybe not quite that, but certainly around 15 years ago you know like everyone was just like you can't do that spot because everyone can see right through it now Marty Scale does that finger breaking spot and everyone loses their mind for it. So there's a change in attitude as well of the audience, um, as well as you know, the pr- as well as the progression of the wrestling scene over here. So I mean, that's a, a general look at the progression of the wrestling scene. But specifically, when it comes to what you were looking to promote, you, you talked about how those who didn't know wrestling thought that you were putting on some kind of smut show but mm-hmm. even those that knew what about, wrestling well this is it so what about yeah. those who do know wrestling what about well, they were heavily influenced by what they were seeing on WWE TV 
and there was a small, you know, number of people that had seen, you know, Volcano Girls, which was uh, the IWA Mid South uh, Women's Wrestling event that, um, you know, alerted some a few more people in the West, and there was more people that was uh, more so aware of the glory days of the Japanese women's wrestling scene, all Japan women, and the Dream Slam events. Um, and, you know, but you're already preaching to the converted there. At the end of the day, the majority of people are being influenced by what they see on the commercial, you know, front, which is WWE. And the WWE women's division, you know, was horrific, uh, you know, yeah. for the most part in terms of the presentation um, during that period. And it took a very long time um, for people to get out of the Attitude Era's presentation of women's professional wrestling, because it wasn't women's professional wrestling, really. It was uh, women performers take, doing stunts, but they weren't certainly weren't being given a, an equal platform to performers wrestlers. You know, we all know you know what their job was during that period of time, and it's really through the hard work of the number of women there at the time that they were able to produce you know a certain quality and certain standard of of matches and make people care as time went on because. They they were passionate and dedicated for it but the presentation was the problem and so we were just it was just a lot of hard work it was just you're just constantly fighting that stigma so yeah. you're, you're fighting the stigma that women's wrestling can't be good which we're still fighting you know the Very you know was, that's one of the biggest lies in the business right now but we'll come on to that a bit later i'm sure you know um but you're, you're, during that period of time, they didn't have anything in front of their eyes that they could say that women's wrestling is fantastic and to judge it by. So you literally had everyone against you. Even the people in the business were against us doing it. We still are. So when you're working with talent, because this is kind of what intrigues me, you, you mentioned it yourself, and, and you see it across, even if the, the, the amount of booking still isn't good enough on shows like ICW Progress, who are trying to advance things on the indie scene but still don't have enough women's wrestling... The quality of the talent and the number of talent clearly has risen over the last six or seven years, and I'm sure you guys are, are something to do with that. But how do you, when you've got a small pool of talent, how did you find finding new wrestlers, finding women who wanted to get involved, and where their inspiration could come from to get involved when their example at that time was, you know, you maybe had someone like Lita who was meant to be taken seriously within that era, but beyond that, you've got the rest of the talent weren't being treated as if they were wrestlers. They were just being treated as almost a sideshow. When you have a passion for wrestling and you want to be a wrestler, you want to be a wrestler. And as a woman, I, I would love a strong female role model. And, it, and it's totally where you're like, oh, China's amazing. I want to be like that or something like that. But when the options aren't there and uh, if people just look up a picture of what I look like one of the only women that I liked was Trish Stratus I just loved I loved how she progressed and clearly worked so hard but I don't have that tan I don't have a delicate nose shall we say I don't have big fake breasts and have no desire to get them so I knew I couldn't be like that but when you love wrestling I would watch it and be uh when I started training I was actually talking to Dan about it earlier I went into training saying I want to be Doug Williams <laughs> so thinking that women will come in and saying like I'm going to be Lita I'm going to be this is actually just as common for people to come in saying I want to be Jeff Hardy I want to be like Triple H I'm going to be the next Stone Cold and it's actually they will just go to the wrestling that they fell in love with if they're not being provided it it's just much nicer and so refreshing and it feels so empowering when you see a woman doing it especially when you see the young girls that was the biggest thing that we found is when you were the 
that that was the wonderful thing about us pushing Eve as just a normal family wrestling show at the beginning the uh, when we first started <laughs> it is that we just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and almost in the press there would be all women on the poster it was very very clearly say all women's wrestling show but it was also very clearly marketed as a family wrestling show and it would be great because you get the kind of tired mum bringing her sons along and then the next time she'd have her son and her daughters there with her and the next time she'd have some of her friends some of the other mums come along with their kids because they're suddenly realizing oh this is a wrestling show but my daughter's seeing this woman who's got a figure like me and this other woman who's super athletic and this tall woman and this and they're seeing them and they're all strong and they're heroes and they're not sexualized and that is something you want to show your sons and your daughters and that is something that's amazing to see when you see these little kids and their faces light up because they realize they can be a hero and maybe the little boys looking and thinking maybe i should respect my sister or my mum just a little bit <laughs> you can, that, that sounds like a wonderful world i hope that is something that we are creating but we, we had the same thing at the women in the world festival which we did at the south bank center recently where it was a uh, you know free event part of the women in the world festival and you know we had a number of people instagram us and tweet us you know that they they came and they watched with their daughters and then they went home and they'd send us pictures of their of their daughters like you know um suddenly dressing up to be wrestlers like they've just seen made little outfits and had wrestling names so it's you know there is certainly um you know more of a direct link um you know between you know young girls you know seeing you know women portrayed as heroes you know um in front of them and Uh, also very much a link to women actually of any age when we're surrounded by very strong media images of what we should look like and we're still very much told to be quiet and timid and if we speak out about something we're proud of then we're bragging and we're arrogant and if we talk passionately to someone we're super angry and why are we being so emotional and if we are directing people then we're being bossy we're not showing authority and for women to see Again, it is important, women of all different shapes and sizes, when they're playing characters that are them, nothing to do with their looks, nothing to do with their sexuality, and seeing them just be powerful and loud and command the space, command the attention of an audience, uh, it's very moving and it means a lot to women because we don't see that. Uh, in terms of where the talent came from, they contacted us when yeah. when the women saw that there was an even playing field. Like we, we were inundated, and we still are, you know, to this day. Um, you know, the number of uh, women performers that we get messages saying like Eve is the new Japan. It's where everyone wants to go. It's just ridiculous. Um, and messages know, from Japan, messages and from people Japan. saying like <laughs> where we want to go is, yeah, is Eve, had, and we, can we come over to Eve? <laughs> we had the promoter from RWC in Spain, uh, RCW sorry in Spain, contact us saying all anyone's going on about over here is is Eve. Um, the you know because when when you are providing that platform, you know I'm sure anyone is just looking for a platform to be able to further show themselves and what they can do and further learn, and that's basically what it was in terms of where the talent was coming from. But what we were doing when we first started is we. You know, 
know, to help those talent along because the scene was behind. We was bringing in like cheerleader Melissa. We was bringing in mischief. We was, you know, um, and then we, as as E further got along, we, you know, obviously when we came back, we started bringing in like we brought in Manami Toyota. We've brought in. We brought in Ice Ribbon. We brought Ice Ribbon in. We were the first promotion to ever bring in a Japanese women's, you know, wrestling mm. promotion. Then what we actually we started a program where we started sending some of our talent like Kaylee Ray and uh, Nikki Cross. We would send them to Japan. to Japan so that they could go and learn there and develop and progress as performers as well. We just had Sammy Jane just come back from a tour that we sent her on. And the whole thing, you know, like we pay the flights, we organize the trip so that they've got somewhere that they can train and also shows that they can wrestle on over there. Uh, the first two, which was Nikki and Kaylee, they went to JWP. Um, uh, Sammy Jane just returned from uh, Sendai Girls, which is Mako Sanamura's promotion, um, who we work very closely with. And we've got somebody else going over later this year as well. You know, and that's again, that's part of our commitment uh, to, you know, further in the scene as we have continually plowed, you know, money that's come in straight back into the talent to, you know, further it. So from when the first kernel of the idea came through and you first started to promote to where you are now, where you can be putting on, you know, big events at places like York Hall, legendary kind of wrestling occasions, selling them out. Uh, I think I, I was reading online you've sold out, you know, ridiculous number of shows in a row, which you know a lot of people can't claim to have done. Where was there a moment where it was clearly catching fire? Where to you, you went, "This is something that people really want." Was that from the off, or was there a struggle initially that that kind of led to a moment where you thought, "No, actually, we've got something here which is not just going to be a lovely idea that we we want to embrace and want to push, but actually is something that is going to catch on with the mainstream and wrestling fans might who may not have respected women's wrestling." 10 years ago are actually going to start giving it some some real proper attention to be honest they're still not it's yeah. all a lie like i know it sounds ridiculous but it is like they're the amount of people like yeah i'm a massive fan of women's wrestling i love the 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 match that i see at the show that i go to the one match if they're lucky um i think uh, when um emily and i were talking to you over twitter you know i think um did you mention the the stats sorry yes I'm i did right so you know like you look at those stats like over that weekend was mentioned there was 33 shows in the uk 17 of them didn't feature any women's matches you know so it's uh it's a good narrative to have because the the you know things are better but just because things are you know better doesn't mean that things are good and i think that's where things get you know confused um we the reason why eve sells out as much as it does isn't actually because of wrestling fans it's because eve has become the cool event to go to um you know the the quality of the wrestling that we have is world class um but there is still that resistance from wrestling fans to go to an all women's wrestling show and there is also you're still dealing with a lot of people that make this assumption that because that the japan the wrestling fans that the japanese women's wrestling scene is the best in the world clearly they don't actually watch the japanese wrestling scene or they don't watch much of anything else and they don't obviously speak to any of the wrestlers in japan because they'll tell you that it's not as straightforward as that you aren't suddenly born in a country and that suddenly makes you the best wrestler in the world by default you know it doesn't work as that and we're very quick to talk about how great the men's scene is over here but yet there seems to be this resistance to talking about the overall you know scale and sometimes 
um, and I know I'm going on here a little bit, but sometimes... <laughs> Not at all. I know, sometimes I know it's because um, a lot of people are scared to say to, you know, female talent, you know, what level they're actually at. Emily was actually tweeting oh. about this earlier, okay. you know, because there's this immediate assumption where... Um, girls are being put into high profile positions on high profile shows that they're actually not you know they shouldn't those specific girls shouldn't be on instead it should be these other girls but these other girls cost more money well you know what it is the same thing it has always been and i am just gonna say if you're a pretty girl that means you're gonna get booked if you're pretty and local wow even better but if you're very nutrising and very green still, but you're pretty and then you get yourself some decent gear, you're booked and you'll be booking in positions that you're not ready for. And then quite often because of how you look and because I think men almost as well have been trained that you're not to try and upset women and you've got to be nice to women, we'll tell them, oh, wow, no, you're great. You're great. You're so fantastic. But then just imagine being that person, you're on Twitter and you're like, oh, I just don't like women's wrestling. But you know what? I will give it a chance. And they scroll through and they're like, oh, everyone's saying how great this woman is. They're always telling us she's great. Looks amazing. She's in shape. Looks like an athlete. I'll check out this match that she had. And it's this five minute thing with two women in there. Who, or even 10 minutes. Oh, if God. People oh, that aren't that's ready. almost worse. But they're people who, they're so green, they they're not there yet it doesn't mean that they're not going to they are and there are so many women out there in the moment who are going to be absolute stars but they're not yet and when you are saying that one it damages the scene because that person that's going to watch that is going to say well that's the top level of women's wrestling yeah because it's on a top high profile show yeah, that's that's what we got uh, and they're going to say it's awful the, the kind of the 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 what I like to hope, and this is as a pure Mark Wrestling fan perspective, is that what we've seen in the development of the scene and, and actually as uh, wrestling fans have become smarter across the board is that I would hope is that actually a lot of wrestling fans would be able to discern. They'd be able to say, of course, you can have someone who's booked strong, who's pushed in the right way, who is you know, made to look strong. But actually, if they get in the ring and they don't perform you will get people and like you're saying that can damage the women's scene if it's in front of a crowd that isn't embracing women's wrestling necessarily but actually i like to I, I want to hope that that would also mean that when there is somebody who is going out there and showing that they have got what it takes and they are at the right level that the fans will embrace the, that individual surely the person say they're doing the thing like i said and they're looking around like well who's the top one say they watch kaylee and mako from wrestle queendom hmm. they'll be like this is amazing i was i was wrong women's wrestling is phenomenal look at that now say they and and so yes i do think there's a chance for that and they will agree but i don't think there's a chance i would love for those fans to change the ones who who tell the the girls because they think they're nice people that they're really great but i don't think they will and those fans who don't think women's wrestling is great they have to see something of high quality or they're not going to embrace it and why should they they shouldn't be saying something subpar is good but you give your thoughts yeah on I, I think the thing is is there's no precedent yet to you know really say that things will change on the basis of if you're passionately supporting a promotion because they do deliver the best male wrestlers in the world and then they provide you with female talent and some of those talent are on you know repeat bookings regardless of the quality then the chances are that that's the level that majority of that audience thinks that women's wrestling is when it's at its best because the men's matches are all at their best yeah. so the women's 
follow suit, it would be mm. natural to assume that that's the top women's talent. But there isn't an, uh, an equal platform being given. You know, they aren't investing into the women's scene um, like they are into the men's scene. And that's the telling fact of it all. And the thing is, I think any person, if, if you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to us talk right now and you're, you know, thinking of one of those many wrestling promotions that you are a hardcore fan of and you're thinking of a women's match, probably just the one that you saw in there and it wasn't <laughs> very good, then that's kind of telling as it is because the fact is there is world-class professional wrestling being conducted by women out there. And they are, a number of them are in this country. So then you've got to ask yourself, you know, why is it that I'm get, not getting that? And then you could say, well, maybe they were booked elsewhere. Well, again, you know, using the, you know, the facts that we, you know, mentioned when there was the, the conversation between the pair of you, um, you know, that weekend that we spoke about, you know, where there was 579 jobs given to wrestlers, only 59 of those jobs went to women. Now, you know, that that's not a, you know, I'm not expecting it to suddenly be like an even playing field. I'm not expecting half of that, but that is a, a small amount of, you know, jobs that are going to women. So there's a good chance, actually, that one of those fantastic women wrestlers actually were available to, for, who knows? There's a whole bunch of amazing talent in this country. It's always nice to look at where they live. You know. if, if you're like, why aren't we getting that talent on this London show? We appear to have got these two wrestlers who live reasonably close yeah there's just this false narrative <laughs> because it's nice to believe it's nice to believe that the wrestling scene is what it is but it's it's and and the thing is i know it makes us sound bitter because everybody else is saying this but it's not just bitter because you know just watch a show and then tell us if we're wrong um I, there are t kind of two other areas i really want to get into and we, i want to talk about the wwe both as it's televised US product and the so-called women's revolution but also what's happening with the, the UK at the moment and um, just before that uh, just to get a view on on your thoughts on intergender wrestling because that's another thing which is obviously uh, catches fire whenever you know you see Jimmy Havoc power bombing Ginny on a table and suddenly a bunch of people go well no you can't be doing that and they come out with these claims about domestic violence and everything else now we've had Jimmy on the show talking about that very incident and talking about you know uh, protection and how safe it is and, and actually how you're treating wrestling differently because there's a woman in the ring is a real problem but do you think that it is something which is a real positive for the scene here when there are some people who it will turn them away from it? It's uh, if, if you feel uncomfortable with it, then don't watch it. It's a performance. It's an act. There's no reason why they can't. You know, the key word and people, it's just very logical when you think about it. The key word is consent. Both of those people have knowingly and happily stepped into the ring to perform for the audience together. They're performing. That's what they're doing. They protect each other like they do with everything. It is consensual. So what's the issue? Yeah, would you get me? upset if uh, for a male and a female stunt person, you know, doing a scene together on a movie that both that involves both of them getting hurt? Because one of the biggest lies in stunt work is that nobody gets mm. you know, hurt, nobody gets nobody gets pain. Wrestlers are stunt people, stunt persons. That's that's what wrestlers are. And um, you know, if you're not going to get angry over 
you know, stunt wo- stunt women and stunt men working a scene together, then you have no right to be, um, you know, getting angry. The only thing that I can, you know, conclude is that people are like, ah, oh, but it looks like that this is domestic abuse. Well, okay, then that. It, also, is- then how far do you take it? Because then do you then stop it on EastEnders? Do you stop it on Hollywood films? Because wrestling, I, I don't know why it is, but. There's this thing that the you know most people have that aren't in, that aren't wrestling fans where they go wrestling's fake it's not real and then they're not happy at the same time and not believing you when you're saying no it's a performance yeah of course it's not real don't be daft and then they're just like whoa well but you can't allow that on show and you can't have that on TV it's like your kids watch Power Rangers do you see the Yellow Ranger get beat up you know and then come back and win you know come on and then I think that's what what amazes me about that conversation is when it's wrestling fans doing that who, so, yeah, who well, supposedly that's... are smart people who you know if you understand well, they're the ones it has to be real to the, them the reason I use that incident is A because it really caught fire online at the time but actually also because Ginny trained with Jimmy that's where she got her her kind of early experience from so the level of trust between two performers when you've worked with each other week in week out to be able to protect each other to look after each other uh, when you are doing those kind of big spots at somewhere that they were doing at Riptide you're going well if you know wrestling you know that those people have invested a huge amount of time in getting to a point where they feel safe in what they're doing and they believe in the performance so why are you suddenly also, we've yeah. also got like Cara Noir versus Rio O'Reilly yeah we do these mm. shows it called was... Equal Fights which is because uh, we also run another promotion called XWA um, oh, I did in the past and it's basically XWA versus Eve you know and it's like we four of the matches on every show are men versus women but there's no, you know, what I mean, Cornwall versus Rio Riley is probably never one of the worked each other sickest, before. Yeah, one of the yeah, sickest of matches course, you'll yeah. ever see. Um, Eva Luno, who's one of the Super Smash Brothers, um, teamed up with Jimmy Havoc on the last Equal Fight show against Addy Starr and Rio Riley. One of the moves involved a jumping pile driver onto Lego. You know, <laughs> like brutal. which yeah. you know sounds comedic, but also you ever stood on Lego? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, it's, now uh, remember, uh, now you know a jumping. I wasn't driver. laughing because that spot sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, it sounds brutal. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and here's the thing: like Eva Luno and Rhea Riley had never met before. Mm. But and this is where there's responsibility on the promoters. You know, if you're booking people in any match, regardless of gender, as a promoter, you should be thinking about the safety of those performers and only booking safe performers, um, so that any performer can go onto any show and feel safe in the knowledge of who it is that they're being programmed to perform with that evening. Right. So, to the WWE issue, and we'll talk about WWE UK and UK NXT and their new women's division etc shortly but firstly on the the women's revolution side of things the four horsewomen the calling the talent up from nxt then there's no doubt that for some people it will have opened their eyes to what the quality of women's wrestling can be when you see sasha banks against bailey in nxt when you see the quality of the program that charlotte and, and sasha banks ran on the main roster they were having genuinely top-level wrestling matches, and I'm not saying that's not something that we should expect from women, but there will be a huge swathe of the WWE universe, whatever they want to call them, that won't necessarily expect that, who will have that Attitude Era image. Have you seen, from what's happened there, a knock-on effect to how people approach women's wrestling on an independent level? glow i saw a knock-on effect but that almost that still wasn't on the independent wrestling level that was actually just getting women 
was general, casual, they're casual for being seen. like, oh, that looks kick-ass, and oh, look, that that Which, show has women. Mm, yeah, oh, let's go watch that. That's so coming back to what we were saying earlier about the, um, you know, Eve hasn't uh, and. You know, uh, Eve doesn't sell out on the basis of wrestling fans. Eve sells out because, you know, it's the cool night to go to. And a lot of that came because Glow came out and Kate Nash started attending our shows and has now become a good mate of ours. And it's a case of, so she's always, you know, promoting Eve events whenever she's doing media work about Glow. And it's a case of those fans were coming, those people were coming to Eve and then they were becoming fans because of the quality of the show that they were seeing and that's that's what it is in terms of the the quality of the, the women's wrestling there's definitely been um an improvement mm. um i think it's a shame that we're not seeing the same quality on the main roster as what we see on um nxt but uh, but i understand at the same time that it's not as straightforward and there's a wider that. booking argument that's not just the women's there's it's also the a time the, you know, there's, there's a time consensus yeah. as well but equally uh, I, I was in new orleans uh, wrestlemania this year and after the show we went on the streets and we t- spoke to people about you know we did the kind of vox pops and videos about you know what was the match of the night stuff like that and hands down the only two matches we heard were about charlotte and Asuka and about the rousey mixed gender tag match those those were the only two that yeah. people cited which when you've got the return of daniel bryan and aj shinsuke and other matches which all right, might not have lived up to people's high bar expectations but those were the ones that the fans in the stadium were citing and when you've got a hundred thousand people saying that as a majority then you know that there is something there that people are at least recognizing that they can be at the same level i still think the hell in a cell match between charlotte and sasha which kind of crashed and burned Mm. as a main event um people when it comes to women's wrestling people are still conditioned to think of the worst first and cite that as a reason why it can't go further. So when it comes to like the Charlotte and uh, and Asuka match and the um, the the mixed tag, you know, it is your. I, I found that whenever there's a women's match that steals a show on a more commercial platform, people talk about it with surprise. Like, mm. yeah, because that was really good, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Like, and and there's also this lower bar that they almost you know hold it to. Um, which damages the platform. You should not hold, you know, the the women to a lower platform than the men. You should hold good wrestling at a set bar, regardless of the gender. Um, I can't, you know, there's certainly been an improvement in terms of uh, the quality. But you know, I'm going to sound terrible here because I I I I like I I used to know one of these individuals, but I watched that um, Becky Lynch versus Peyton Royce match. Uh, from SmackDown last night, and that was terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's kind of, like, heartbreaking when you see that. And at the same time, you know, you know on the roster, you know, in, like, development, you've got someone like Nikki Cross. And, okay, I'll put my hand up. I've got a bias there. She's, you know, a three-time Eve champ, someone that we've worked with, you know, a lot. But she's a phenomenal talent. You know that there's Kyrie saying, you know that Oscar's on the main roster and Charlotte's on the main roster, and you know that there's good talent there. But you also, as Emily was saying too, there is still a, a not to take away from the hard work of any of the people there because they obviously, in order to be on that platform, they have to work so hard, harder so than hard. I think people realise. Mm. You know, but there is a lot of great talent that's being you know ignored, and there is you know 
sometimes poor being presented as good and sometimes you know average being presented as great sometimes good lives up to the hype but there's not as much of a opportunity especially when you try to make out like you're you know you try to stack something out what you'll find a lot of promotions and WWE is a good example because they'll copy us they'll make out like their women's roster is far more deeper than it is and then you'll realize that they're multi there's like two matches one will be a singles and the other will be a you know multi-person multi-person yeah yeah of course and you know that's the go-to argument it's like well we've got lots of women on our roster and then you actually look at what the the use of that is. And WWE is not the only one that's guilty of that. There's there are in high profile independent companies over here that do the exact same thing. But and that's a kind of where you come to the, the crux. Of it. I do still find it bizarre that we have this approach to uh, this is something nothing to do with women's wrestling, just wrestling in general. When you say independent wrestling, what you actually are saying is not WWE. Because people call New Japan independent, people call Ring of Honor independent. Those are huge companies that draw in people to massive arenas. I wouldn't refer to Ring of Honor and New Japan personally, but you're right, most people do. A lot of people do. Exactly, so it's the common... It's kind of, that's that's kind of a totally separate argument and and conversation. But, so, with the, the development of the brand over here and the announcement that we're getting these monthly TV tapings and what is intended to be a weekly TV show, depending on how that pans out, whether it's network, whether it goes on sky, however that works. And as part of that being a women's division, uh, when we sat down and we, we did three or four times over the weekend as the announcements were being made with triple H and, and in a press conference situation, you know, never at any point did they mention gender until it became about we're bringing in a women's division, but it was all about developing talent, working with brands that develop talent, working with brands that work on storylines. They don't just book and put a match on. Now, they, they kept pushing that same angle. And when I, when I asked about the women's wrestling, and I, I kind of became the women's wrestling guy over that weekend unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, when you're only allowed to ask one question, it gets around to me and four people have gone, I'm like, no one's asked about women's wrestling, so I'm going to do it. Um, the When I came and I asked the statistic, firstly, they mocked me a bit for coming out with statistics, but actually when I kind of pushed Triple H on it, he went, I said, well, what are you going to do to make sure that this talent that you're putting in the ring, these six, seven, eight women who you're initially announcing, are actually, if they're not, going to be able to work with every promotion in the country are getting enough work in the ring to develop and grow as performers kind of said well i'm going to ask the people we're working with to to put more matches on to put more women's matches on to you and he gave me this kind of spiel about it takes a time to to change a culture and all that sort of thing should there be a different approach to the way they look at the women's wrestling side of this wwe uk brand considering there is less opportunity for women's wrestlers as we've seen from those statistics i have quickly just two things one is i think if triple h came up to most promoters and said hey i want you to put on more than one women's match i think that that promoter would yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think that's actually going to take a lot to change a culture he'd come up and be like put on three women's matches a show and they'd be like yeah okay yeah no, make, I can, yeah, he'd yeah, yeah, yeah. make half your show women's you know and he'd, they he'd would do it. they would do it, it of course <laughs> um and they'd just be thinking of that sweet sweet money or the fact that they get to take a selfie or, or yeah or the fact that this triple is going to be one of the two or both yeah so, and you know there's nothing wrong with that that's what you want to do uh, the other one... At, at the same time, I think there is... They, they, they kind of partially joking about that, partially it's absolutely true, but at the same time, what people don't realise with these higher-end independent promotions that are so-called in the UK that are working with WWE is actually those guys that are the bookers, the agents, everything else, are actually 
working NXT shows are actually working backstage, learning from what they do, etc. There is, it's a much more symbiotic relationship, I think, in the UK than people give it respect for. So I think that there would be more of a conversation about it than just yes, sir, no, sir. But I think at the end of the day, the bottom line would be, well, we've got to do what they ask us to do. I really want just to keep that relationship up. I think, I, just, I think it would be put on, we need you to put on three women's wrestling matches on your show. And I think they'd say, yeah, um, well, you know, we have to make sure that we've got room for this. And they might discuss that. But I don't think at any point they're going to say no, an outright no. It's just, it just wouldn't yeah. happen. Um I just want to be. Opinion. I want to be fair to because I think there are. Yeah, we're not I don't attacking wanna, them. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I don't want to just say they're they're doing the wrong thing blanketly at the moment. There are there needs to be more opportunity for women's wrestlers. I absolutely believe that, and that's you know. Yeah, no, well, it's, my, it's a case why of, I want to have this conversation. Well, no, my uh, one is just much. I I don't make excuses. Yeah. For, and when they say like, oh well, we're trying, I say, well, you don't need to try. You need to do it. Mm. It's not actually difficult. When there were no women's wrestling companies in this country, we made one wasn't you know we did it we didn't say oh well there should be a platform for women and they really need the chances we made it and we did it so if you're saying like oh well you know we'd like and we're trying to develop the women scene in our company do it just do it stop talking about it and do it or you are full of poo um, and the I have other- the ability to beat this out it's pre-recorded oh, so <laughs> I, I went with poo <laughs> yeah, that's fine and- I, I appreciated the, you know, the and- self-censorship it was lovely um, and then the other one is just for me I look at look at the number of people on the roster and I don't know I always think simply it's very difficult to have a detailed storyline even if just going for the championship even if that's your one storyline around the championship if you've not got many women to develop the storyline with but Dan I interrupted when you start talking no, I was like no, I've no, got no, one no, little point and then I just like yeah yeah no no, no you, you're, you're just one yeah well Emily's, Emily's absolutely right first of all just do it we did it you just can do it and any time I don't believe the argument of things you know take time takes a lot flipping longer if you're not going to do something do you know what i mean if you're not going to just jump in ufc is the best example you know like they dove both foot in they and for how long dana white was saying there'll be no you'll never see any women in the ufc you'll never see any women in ufc and then when they okay it took ronda rousey okay but then it was ronda rousey and liz carmouche and that wasn't just like just giving a, a little spot on the show it was the main event the first ever women's fight in UFC was the main event and they made it a big deal and that's the thing you make it a big deal and then they grew the scene and then you had a tough that was you know an all-female cast you know it's um you can change it if you just go ahead and do it it's hard work but then you know what being a wrestling promoter is hard work yeah so it's okay and there's no other excuse people are, are, are just you know well for the independent promoters they're scared that they're going to lose some of their audience so they don't want to but they'll tell you that they're, they're doing their bit you know but they're really just scared that they'll lose their audience if they were to put on more women's matches um, their choice of talent again lack of investment for the most part because they're paying so much for you know the high quality you know male talent um, or maybe it's not that maybe for some, for some it certainly will maybe for some others it's because they've got a, a certain look that they want to go for or whatever reason um, The but there certainly isn't the, the level of investment in terms of um, working places 
Um, you know, I think it's you, you're right to ask the question that you asked, which is if you're going to limit the bookings of people that are already, you know, um, 92% less likely to get a booking, you know, than their male counterparts, that's not really further in the scene. And it's one thing to say, well, we'll ask the promotions that we're working with to put on more women's matches. But what about the women that are on that show? You you know, they can't they can work that show, right? But they can't work OTT, you know, Rev Pro. Um, you know, or, or another promotion. You know, OTT had just started doing these, um, you know, they've just started getting into doing uh, all women's shows as well, bless them. Mm. You know? Um, I, I think kind of the, the way I, I sit on it when it comes to that conversation is actually from the, the, if you go for the men's side of the argument, I think some have been unfair with, I, I think when it comes to the men's side of it and, and uh, David Starr's coming on the show next week, I'm going to ask him about the way he stood on it because he had a really nice diatribe on Twitter. For a men's scene, if you are taking people out from certain promotions and only having them work in four or five promotions and those are the ones, what you're doing is creating opportunity for young talent to come up and fill those spots and it's happened before and it can happen again, but that's because there are, like you so say, many, a yeah. lot of opportunities there. I don't think you can make the same argument with the women's wrestling because actually uh, my concern is that if you say to them you can only work on these three four promotions that they're going to do one actual in in ring match a month in front of a crowd and as much as you can work in a gym and in training and and you know learn and develop as much as you want in that until it's in front of an environment to figure out what works and what doesn't it's like stand-up comedy <laughs> you don't know what's funny in front of a mirror you know what's funny when you do it in front of an audience and also many audiences are different and if you limit the different audiences that you get a chance to work in front of like you know you know the difference between i'll use wwe as an example here uh between when wwe run a show in new york when they run it in, I know Chicago and well, then... no, Chicago, yeah, Chicago, New York, those kind, of, you know, New Jersey, those kind of places. But then they run it in, I don't know, some place Chattanooga. In Ch- yeah, do you know what I mean? Or maybe I don't know. I can't even. But you know the type I didn't of believe audience. that was a real place until I saw them until ten, yeah. events there. Yeah, you know, but like you know the difference between when they're working that kind of an audience to when they're working, mm. you know, and you know, I'm sure on the house shows, even if they can't change things up a little bit. Um, you know, on the uh, on, on the TV side, um, you know, for a number for a long, long while, when they when they go to Japan, in fact, they've just been to Japan. They change things up a little bit. When they used to go to Japan, they would have uh, they would change the, the the matches up. So you would get your Jericho versus Benoit as an example, because they knew the Japanese audience. You know, knew that. Um, I don't know how much of things necessarily changed, but obviously they still made a point that, you know, Shinsuke was going to be in matches with people like, it was it AJ? Mm-hmm. And when Shinsuke couldn't work it, they switched it with um, Samoa Joe. They didn't switch it with The Miz, who, by the way, I think is flipping awesome. Thank you. That's, um, uh, <laughs> it's an absolute prerequisite for coming on this show to love The Miz. Oh, because, The Miz is fantastic. Yeah. He's generally one of my favourites. Um, uh, but the you know, but they deliberately put him in with someone of a that certain style that mm-hmm. kind of matches what the Japanese fans are on. I think when you um, you know limit the audiences, you know, I think that that damages. I know there's um, a concern amongst um, their performers being seen on 18 plus promotions, um, and uh, you know there's um, 
you know, you must behave in this way, which I think is fine to say, like, because you're now a part of us, we need you to perform in a certain way and behave in a certain way and not say this and not say that. I think any time you have a job somewhere, do you know what I mean? There is a, um, you know, you can't you can't behave like this because you represent the company. So I think code that... Code of conduct. Code of conduct, thank you. You know, so having a code of conduct that your performers, when they work elsewhere, have to follow, I don't think there's an issue in that um, whatsoever. Um, but the the limiting uh, places for the for the for the women to work um, when they're already extremely limited, I do think is wrong. And I'm sure there's going to be people that listen and say, "Oh, well, you can't treat you want equality. You can't be treating the the women any different." <laughs> but it's like, not, but there's not equality. So. There's not equality already, so you can't have it that way. You know, if it was an equal playing field, absolutely. You know, but it's not. And so, and and that's the problem. Have Have you guys had any conversations with them about working with yourselves in an all female basis to make sure their talent are getting more? No, I think there was there was it was reported in um, I think it might have been the Observer or somewhere there um, there'd been a reach out from from them to us, and that's not the case at all. So, um, and I wouldn't expect that to be, to be honest with you. Um, we are an eighteen plus promotion. I mean, so are, yeah, I was going to say. Shows. I mean, so are ICW though, and they're working with ICW. Yeah, there was. Um, oh, you know, Eve's Eve's regular shows are eighteen plus, but we do do shows that aren't eighteen plus. Like we did the Women of the World Festival, um, the Wrestle Queendom event at York Hall was strong uh, was, women style. You know, was a family friend strong women style, which is where we're looking to break the record for the most attended women's wrestling event on September the 29th at the Walthamstow Assembly Hall. That is an open-to-all-ages event. We'd like to do more open-to-all-ages events, but, um, you know, the fact is, is every every month we do put on these events, and um, you're right about ICW. Um, it, you know, one may argue there's a level of hypocrisy there, um, which is a fair argument without knowing any more details, because ICW, last time I checked, were an 18-plus promotion. I think Progress used to be an 18-plus promotion, didn't they? It used to be that the whole mantra was this is um, wrestling for grown-ups or wrestling for adults, but I know that they're 14-plus now. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of it depends on the venue, etc., but it's uh, I think it's... Four, I don't want to quote... I think it's 14-plus with, with an adult, 18-plus... Yeah. 14-plus uh, uh, with an adult, 16-plus without. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's according to their Facebook page right yeah. now. So... Um, you know, so progress have evidently, let, you know, brought their you know um, shows down to be, you know, uh, to a degree in line with what I guess WWE are, are, are wanting. I don't know. I haven't looked to see if ICW have actually quietly done the same thing. There's I think they still. I don't. Again, I need to check this, but I think they still promote themselves as being. And certainly well, it's promoting yourself. I mean, certainly, as. when we had uh, Mark on the phone in one of our early shows, he still very much pushes it as being wrestling for grown-ups you can come here you can drink you can swear you can you know that's what they want to certainly present themselves as yeah but uh, there's a number of promotions where like where you could argue that they're a pro wrestling show for grown-ups but they're actually um all ages because it is it's a there's there's no governing body in the pro wrestling scene you know so you're only really governed by your own conscience um and 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 so there's nothing to stop a promotion from, you know, marketing themselves as something for, you know, adults, but actually allowing, you know, on the technical side, someone under that age in or from, you know, 12 or 14 in. We do um, oft also have a large banner on our wall during oh yeah. shows that says Pile Driver Fascist and, oh. and has 
what you could argue is... Someone that looks like, resembles the image of that of Donald Trump being power-driven by a woman. Excellent. So, so I would imagine, a, a, you know, there that are he's images. He's in the Hall of Fame, right? You know, we're, 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 you know, we're socialist people ourselves. Um, we're politically minded and feminist minded with everything that there is going on. Um, we support a lot of charities as well, not just for mental health, but sex workers' rights. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're politically outspoken, again, because I don't see why... We shouldn't be. <laughs> Emily, Emily's always said, if you've got the ability to have a voice, then you know, make the voice heard for good for a good cause. If you have a platform, there's a thing that's happening at the moment on Twitter, and it's so amazing where these celebrities who have got a massive following will lend out their Twitter for a few hours to charities and organisations, and they'll do Q and As, and it's such an amazing thing to do and it is what they what everyone should be doing you've got this platform now help educate people on things yeah and that's so for me i was always going to talk about mental health because it's so misunderstood and i was always going to talk about things that i feel are unacceptable and these are things that emily's been told repeatedly that she shouldn't talk about by people in the business oh yes by people by high profile people in the business that you've had on this show (laughs) So, you know, told, like, you shouldn't talk about that because of this reason. You shouldn't talk, you know, you should just keep it, just only make it about wrestling. Why? You know, like, is is everything else that we, when, you know, if think of it, if people really want to think about it, when they watch WWE's show and they see an advert for, I don't know, Popeye chicken or whatever it is, pancakes company or, do you know what I mean? Think about when Emily talks about mental health and, you know, and, and feminism. Think about that as our product placement then. If that's what's going to make people feel better, because they don't seem to have a problem with seeing KFC, you know, um, advertised on television in front of them. But uh, so Emily talking we're, about, you know. We're uh, very open. I mean, it's literally on our website. I said it at the beginning. We're a feminist punk DIY wrestling company or women's wrestling company and, uh, it's, it's not a gimmick and it's not a lie yeah. this is who i am this is what i look like this is what i believe in it's that so that's what i'm going to talk about yeah, so i've I made ma- it very clear yeah. <laughs> on I, the I, advertising yeah, I, I, think, I can't yeah. imagine wwe being okay with any of that uh, yeah and that's fair and the do you i mean uh, politics in sports and sports entertainment as somebody who works a lot in american sports is uh, particularly with the NFL, is obviously a huge conversation at the moment oh, okay. and always will be. And so it is. I you know, absolutely no issue with people nailing their colours to the mast and saying, but there will, will be people who are scared by that because they think it alienates an, a, an element of their audience. Like, Which means they're putting the value of the pound over, you know, anything else. You know, I do get the odd tweet saying, well, well done for alienating this part of your audience. And I'm like, I don't... I, I, I don't want you in my audience that's fine and it's the weirdest thing that i'm not they they then struggle to understand that i'm not trying to appease them and appeal to them so they're like well i don't like that you've done that and i say okay and and they're like but i but i don't like it it's like that's fine that's (laughs) Uh, that's completely okay you don't have to like it and it's very funny <laughs> uh, i feel like we could be here for kind of hours trying yeah, to set the world to right and no no it, and it's it is great and i'm really glad that you guys have been able to come in and have this conversation and, and it's one that like i said to you earlier we were talking about maybe getting a, a third party in a, a wrestler mm. in with us today and it's certainly a conversation i want to continue having anyway so it's something that we will continue talking about but on the pure wrestling side of things two things we need to do first of all plug shows you've got coming up but also i want to ask you about you talked about the talent that are out there 
who are the female wrestlers that if you're if you're listening to this show and you've maybe been to the odd progress show the odd i don't know we seem to get a lot of people that go to riptide listen to our show which is great it's mm -hmm. a, i really enjoy riptide or fight club pro or wherever it is you end up going but you've maybe only kind of gracing the uk scene who are the female wrestlers here who they should be making sure that they are au fait with and you can just list it if you want <laughs> It's so many, and I we do have to do the very clear in no particular order. And yeah. It's gonna yeah, be, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be awful because I know that I will miss people. And to me, I'll keep saying, "Well, obviously." And <laughs> so, like, well, obviously, Mako Samora and Kaylee Ray and Viper, Rio O'Reilly, Sammy Jane, Jamie Hater, Nina Samuels. Yeah, I've just taken a deep breath. Like, and Addie Star, Millie McKenzie. Addie Star gets ignored and Addie overlooked, gets so, overlooked much. so much. Yeah, such Rhea still gets overlooked somewhat as well. Yeah. I don't. It just blows my mind. And oh, I think if you just go ahead and watch the Wrestle Queendom show, yes, and I know that sounds like self publicity <laughs> and self promotion sure, is not a problem. But like, well, watch the Wrestle Queendom show, and the thing is, that show took place. Right, and it just sounds like because the thing is, I like Glenn, I get on well with Glenn at Progress, so I'm not trying to say. But uh, we had a bunch of the Progress uh, roster that would work that would work in that weekend come down to Wrestle Queendom. I, I know um, a lot of people who went to both shows, who were at Super Strong Style and then came down. Like there was a glut of people who walked out of the show, didn't go to the little after party, and walked straight and got on a bus, and that's where they were heading, and that's great. Yeah. And and it was and fortunately I had to work. I really wanted to do the same thing, but every in like the overall response that we had um, was that Wrestle Queendom blew every single other show that happened that weekend and it wasn't just Progress there was other numerous other promotions that would have shows that happened um, and you know that's people say like this is us bragging this isn't we weren't the ones in the ring yeah so this isn't us bragging as, as Emily and Dan Reed it's nothing for us to be able to it's say it's like me being like a proud mama like seeing yeah. all these women and seeing under the pressure, they all knew how much it meant and they all wanted it to be the best performance of their life from everyone on the roster. There was no one there like, uh, but I want mine to be the very best. No, Literally everyone, everyone, it was a fully... I can't quite express yeah. into words how close of a unit the roster are in supporting each other and wanting everyone to look amazing. Casey Owens, sorry, has another one. Just... Oh, of course, and Leah. She's I know yeah, she's taking she's... time off with injury, but she's such brilliant. Oh, oh, Martina, obviously. Martina, uh, but yes, yeah. Wrestle Queendom. One of the things that made it so amazing. Obviously, with Dan when he puts together the matches, he had it as this is our big main event. This is our. Wrestle Kingdom, <laughs> um, yeah. or, or WrestleMania, but everyone was going out there to do an amazing job. That's what was on their mind that they were going to do the best that they could, and maybe somehow a little bit better. And the atmosphere was magic because everyone knew they were watching history, and everyone was there, and everyone was putting on their best performance and so us bragging about it is us like proud parents because <laughs> yeah, we knew they could do it and oh i just they didn't buckle under that pressure no, no, go and go and watch that show because pressure. that's a quality show right there yeah. and at the end of the day you know if you went and saw a wrestling show that weekend and you know the amount of people that went to wrestle queendom came out saying but that was the best show of the weekend don't then be going oh but they're fans of women's wrestling because right then you've put a bias that you're not going to enjoy it because you've put a bias that only a person who likes women's wrestling could say that you know 
go ahead and watch it just as a wrestling show. Erin and, and Jetta and Chris Wolf. Oh, Jetta's doing the best work of her career right now. Jetta is just on form. On the last show that we had, we had Kader Ray versus Chris Wolf. Everyone was like, "That's going to be the match of the night." It was an amazing match. But Jetta and Laura Di Matteo actually had Laura Di Matteo, and I didn't say. You know, that. Did it's... I say Charlie Morgan? Did I say our champion? You actually haven't name? mentioned Charlie oh, Morgan yet. Well, because she's the champion, we don't so it's in the contract to performance. But, but and this is something that we're trying to replicate as well on September 29th with Strong Women's Style at the Walthamstow Assembly Hall. One other thing, just before we wrap up, that I do want to go into because Emily mentioned about the talent investment program that we've done where we've sent wrestlers over mm. over the last six years to Japan. Another thing we've done, which, um, again, I'm guessing because it's women, it hasn't been, nobody's making a big deal about it, but I bet you if it was men, they would. Um, we've actually partnered up with the Bishopsgate Institute to create an actual Women's Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. It will be a place where people can actually go and see these things. They can see what's put in, you know, pictures, stories, articles about these women that are going, this isn't a Hall of Fame that's in Emily's head. This isn't a Hall of Fame that's in my head. This isn't a Hall of Fame that's just, you know, written in a book. It's not in a living room. This isn't a genuine Hall of Fame. In 500 years, scholars and, well, really anyone can go and have this uh, the women's wrestling history pulled from the archive and they can look at it right, we yeah. are stored next to the suffragettes original sashes and banners yeah we are and they contacted us because they saw what we were doing and they just thought well this looks amazing and they record women's history and then they were looking into it more and more and it is the it's same developed. as it often is it that the women's history is erased often or not yeah. spoken on but sorry, carry on. No, 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 excited. no, you, you hit it, you hit it. You <laughs> but, know what you're talking yeah. about. It's your promotion. Flip. It, well, <laughs> it was, it's just, we announced it to our roster uh, before WrestleQueendom yeah. and they were crying because it's those women like uh, like uh, Mitzi and Klondike Kate who people don't hold in the same regard as Johnny's saying and they should. Yeah. And people aren't talking. And these women, they know what they went through and they know that they couldn't be here if it wasn't for these women. And they know that there are women all across the world who are wrestlers who have been through the same and no one remembers them. Someone uh, that we spoke to, she doesn't actually have any memorabilia at all from her wrestling day. She has no footage, no newspaper article clips, no posters, nothing because it was seen as that you were just like a mark and you were mocked for it if you kept everything and things like that. And she has nothing at all. So we're actually going round and I'm contacting collectors and contacting people who were wrestlers at the time, men who, who did keep things and were uh, that was fine for them. And we're asking them, what have you got? What can you send us? And we're collecting it. So not only am I putting it in the archive, it's like I'm giving back bits to to the women who were there wrestling, but not allowed to have anything there to record. And the worst bit is when you keep... Um, I, keep <laughs> I keep getting in tears over it when I keep getting thanked by some, uh, some of the people I'm talking to. Like, oh, wow, are you really sure? Me, though, and I'm not this. And you just think, how could how could you think of yourself as not worth being put there? Because they were told for a long time or treated for a long time they weren't. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, next show coming up next weekend uh, at the Resistance yes, Gallery. Yeah, there's... Uh, Go on, you've been good at plugging oh, so far. Slayers and Spandex. <laughs> Slayers and Spandex. We're good at naming shows. Um, the, um, yeah, so Slayers and Spandex is next Saturday with... Uh, um, uh, it's a hell of a card, actually. Tony Storm versus Jetta. 
Um, the we're beginning the she one qualifiers really we've just started the she one qualifiers Monday McKenzie was the first one she one is our big weekend tournament that we do uh, every year four shows over two days that takes place every November and these are the qualifying matches to see it's basically the G1 that's where she one is yeah you know, great she one so, very good so um, very good. it's our G1 four shows over two days so we're doing the, the qualifiers um, at, at the moment and we've got uh, Eve Champion Charlie Morgan against Casey in one of them uh, Laura DiMatteo against Charlie Evans um, but one of um, you know the it's just like four incredible uh, matches and one of the, 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 the main matches that I've seen a lot of people going about as well as Charlie Morgan and Casey which there's also a bit of backstory to is the first time meeting between Kaylee Ray and Killer Kelly mm. um, a lot of people are very excited about but there's uh, seven matches on that show uh, as well as we also have um, other performers on that show as well. It really is a, a celebration, of, um, not strong just strong women, of strong exactly. And um, you know that is next Friday, fr- sorry, next Saturday, Saturday, July fourteen, um, at the Resistance Gallery in Bethnal Green. There's a handful of tickets left at the moment, and uh, tickets for Strong Women Style for She Won for our Shevolution shows and for our Eve shows are available on our website, which is evewrestling.com. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Shevolution, our other brand. Flip. Oh, it's our NXT. I, I can yeah. think that's the quickest <laughs> way we decided yeah. because the women weren't being given the chance to get up to the Eve level, yeah. we figured we'd do... We what just, we do again we, that we, that we, we do it brand. so we made another brand for those women to get you know and so those are our nxt shows basically yeah uh and it's again it's fantastic and for me oh i love it i love seeing people just get better and better and it's oh it's great it's great to see sorry are we keeping that guy out no, okay. not at all. Uh, brilliant stuff, look, guys. Really appreciate Emily, Dan, Reed both coming in and, and kind of talking us through all of that. And I hope that uh, maybe some people who wouldn't have gone to a show previously will come along to one of those shows and see what it's all about and go out and watch Wrestle Queendom and, and find that on demand and go and watch that and, and try and, you know try and see that it is worth going and watch because uh, yeah I'm really really pleased that you've come in so thank you so much for your time no, cheers for thank us. you 